brilliant, really excited about this series that we're in, Christology. And didn't Sean do an incredible job last week unpacking that Christology is simply the study of Jesus? Um, I was listening, I had to go and preach in Bedworth, on um, Bedworth, it's somewhere in the country, on, on Thursday. And I thought, well, let me give Sean a listen. And uh, I was stuck in three traffic jams. It took me five hours to get to Bedworth. And I didn't listen to Paul, uh, Sean because I was bored. I, I, was, I was listening because I thought, this is a great opportunity. And when I listened, I thought, I love what God's doing in uh, Pastor Sean and Paula. Don't you love what God's doing? But the way that he just was moving in the Holy Spirit, bringing that truth around. We're so thankful for the men and women of God that uh, he's blessed us with. And uh, just really excited about this coming next few weeks and months where we continue to look at just that simple subject of who Jesus was, who he is, and who he will always be. Um, Easter. Um, I'm getting a real excitement in my heart about Easter morning, Easter Sunday. And I want to throw out a challenge. We didn't have a chance to get them printed this week. But next week, we're going to make some cards available. Remember, Wednesday night, we started, Soteriology, uh, we started Soul Winner. It's been a long week. We started the Soul Winner course on a Wednesday night, as well as the marriage preparation courses, all good discipleship um, courses and modules. But we're putting a demand on Family Church that we would be more of a soul-winning church than we've ever been before. Thank you for that incredible response there. That excitement, that cheer. Just, man, you make me want to do this every day. Come on, we want to be a soul-winning church. A disciple-making church. We're not here playing games on the street corner, amen. Well, a part of that is we need to be leading people to the Lord in our own uh, day-to-day lives, but also we need to be inviters. I want to throw out a challenge. Easter morning, we want to pack this place with people that you've invited. As you can see, we're making room. We're going to have an overflow hall, not for the guests. We're going to say to the regulars, give up your chair, go in there. We want to pack this place on Easter morning. But intentions don't just happen. We need to have actions and plans. Amen. So what I'm going to do is this week I'm going to have made up some cards, simple cards, little cards like the prayer cards. that just say, um, who are you believing for? And a place for you to put your name. And we're going to give an opportunity the next couple of weeks, just as the offering bucket comes around, for you to fill in these cards. Someone, a family that you're believing for to receive Jesus. But also you're going to invite here on Easter Sunday. It's going to be epic. We've got a choir, right? It's going to be full on Sunday morning. Who enjoyed Christmas? Christmas is brilliant. Easter is going to be brilliant. We want so many people getting born again on Easter Sunday. It's ridiculous. Amen. But how will they hear unless someone is sent? We want to send you to invite your friends and family, even your worst enemies. Come on, let's throw it wide open. To come here on Easter Sunday morning to be a part of our celebration of Christ. Amen. So we're going to give you these cards and we're going to invite you 
um, to put the name of someone or a family that you're pretty sure they don't belong to Jesus, but you want them to. Their names and also your name. And we are going to take those cards. I haven't really told too many people about this because I'm kind of making it up a little bit as I go along. We're going to take those cards and we are going to put them in our offices and the whole pastoral team are going to pray over them and come in agreement with you for your friends and family to find Jesus, but also to come and hear the gospel. All right, so next week we're going to have those cards available. Get them filled in, put them in the offering basket. We are going to flood the offices. Tuesdays, all our pastors come in from different congregations. We're going to pray over them and begin to agree with you for the salvation of friends and family. Is that good? Fantastic. Awesome. Now, um, we're going to continue today on the thought of Christology. Um, If you missed last week, that's okay. Just go and listen to it on one of the media channels, the podcast on the website or on the um, social media platforms that we're on. And what we're looking at is simply staying in track with our theme for the year, which is discipleship, not just being saved, but being rooted in God. We're looking over these last four or five, or these next four or five weeks, at the subject called Christology, which is like anyology, it's really simple. It's the study of Jesus. To know who Jesus is in our world in a deeper way. We must know who Jesus is, not by hearsay, but by revelation. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to you. Society wants to deny Jesus to you. Society wants to pretend he wasn't born. But we're not of this world, we're of his kingdom. And we say Jesus was not only born, he was the son of God, the saviour of the world. And he paid for the sin of humanity in his death, burial and resurrection. Well, Brother Andy, what if it becomes illegal for you to say that? Open the prison door. We're going to keep preaching Jesus. Because at that name alone, will people be saved, healed and restored. Amen. We're not looking for the permission of a confused society. We're living in the truth of God's word, amen. But we're living in a time where we need to know who Jesus is. Sadly, some people really believe that Jesus, his last name was Christ, that his name was Jesus Christ. That's the depth of some people's understanding of Christ. We want to bring people deeper so that you have a revelation of him. I'm so excited about what the Holy Spirit can do during this module because one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son as we take time just to talk about Jesus don't think for a moment that your body won't get suddenly healed or a situation won't be suddenly changed because when you start to preach Jesus the Holy Spirit can't keep away amen So last week we looked at Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever. We looked at the pre-existence of Christ um, and you can catch that on any recordings if you missed it. We looked at how the Bible totally reveals both him and how he would save us throughout scripture. There was 300 fulfilled prophecies about Jesus already 
And we gave out handouts about those prophecies. You need to know that it was even prophesied how he, was, how he would die, the nails in his hands, the thieves by his side. All of that was foretold of him in the Old Testament. And he fulfilled over 300 prophecies about him. That's awesome, eh? Now, we want to look today at this simple thought. Jesus is fully man and fully God. These are some of the questions that people have when we start to talk about Jesus. So let's take time to answer them. This week, we want to look and unpack another important aspect that Jesus, when he walked the earth, was fully man and fully God. Have you got it? Okay. Now, today we're going to look at the deity of Christ, that he is God, he is Lord of Lord, but also the humanity of Christ, two subjects that aren't separated, they're actually entwined and joined, because he wasn't God and then he was man, he was fully God and fully man, and you'll understand why today and next week when Pastor Gina carries on looking at the subject of incarnation. So the key verse I want to look at today, <clears throat> and if you were in Forge, have we got any Forge students here today? That's our Monday Bible school. You're going to get some of the stuff you heard again, but maybe you didn't hear it all when I preached it on Monday, but that's okay, right? Isaiah 9, verse 6. <clears throat> For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder... And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a verse that most churches only bring out at Christmas. But how many people know he's all of those things, not just at Christmas, but throughout our lives. Now Jesus Christ possessed and possesses all the qualities of the Godhead. We believe in a trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that any of them fade in power or authority, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is just the order that they're revealed and spoken of. There's not one who's stronger than the other. We believe in God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when we look at Jesus, we understand that his deity, his lordship, is revealed in these names that we've read. I'm going to use Hebrew explanations of the word. Wonderful means a miracle, a marvelous thing. Mighty God means powerful warrior and champion. Everlasting Father means a perpetual state of continuous existence past, future, and present for all time. Prince of Peace means completeness, safety, soundness, and health. Not just peace from war, but peace with God in our relationship now with him. So when we read that statement, wonderful, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, we could take longer and say, who is Jesus? He's a miracle. He's a marvelous thing. He's powerful. He's a warrior. He's a champion. He, he is a perpetual state of continual existence. He brings completeness, safety, soundness, and health. 
And not only peace between man and man, but he brought peace between man and God. That is Jesus. That is him in his glory and in his deity. That's who he was before the word became flesh. That's who he was when he walked the earth. And that is who he is as our ascended king and saviour today. Now, Jesus was divine in his attributes, his, that means his character, his ways, his works, but also his names. Jesus, I'm going to give you a few verses today, but I've never yet heard of a Christian overdosing on scripture, so you're safe, all right? And if we leave church going, he just preached the Bible too much today, you have issues, all right? You're the person with the issue of Bible, all right? We can't get enough Bible. Listen to what it says about Jesus being manifested. Remember, manifested means to be made known, all right? Jesus was God manifested, made known in the flesh, all right? Jesus was God, the fullness of God, made known in flesh, in human form. Now, I want family church to be the most spiritually educated church in the country. But we know what we believe. Come on, let's aim high, amen. Now it says in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. There's no controversy, but great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by an angel's, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Now, the word manifest, I'm going to put the meaning up behind us. It means to make manifest what was previously hidden or unknown, to show oneself to be plainly recognised and thoroughly understood. Isn't that a great definition? That's when we read that Jesus was God manifested We're saying Jesus, this is the original word, it was made known, that which was previously hidden or unknown. It means to show oneself to be plainly recognised and thoroughly understood. When Jesus walked on the earth 2,000 years ago, he said, if you have any questions about God, look at me. He was God in man, making God known to man. You all with me? Colossians 2 verse 9 says, For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, the Trinity, the godly Godhead, uh, bodily. And this is speaking of Jesus. In him dwells, not some, all the fullness of the Godhead. Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 3. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in various ways. Sorry, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. So in the Old Testament, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, in the Old Testament, you see God Almighty speaking to man through prophets. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, on and on. Major prophets, minor prophets. But the Bible says, but today for us, in the last days, 
He's not going to. He has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom all uh, also he made the worlds. And again, that speaks to the pre-existence of Jesus, that the worlds were made through Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, made payment for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Jesus. That's why we worship him. He was the God who existed. He was the son of the father, the word of God in existence that came to earth in the humanity form and then died for our sins, rose from the dead, the only one to rise from the dead. And today is an ascended risen king seated at the right hand side of the father, waiting for the father to say, go and collect what belongs to you. We call that the second coming, amen. Now Jesus, this excites me. Forgive me for being excited about this stuff, right? Jesus was the express image of God, God in flesh. And the Greek word there means, for express image, means an exact copy or reproduction in every respect. So Jesus wasn't a lesser um, version of God He was fully God, made known for humanity to understand. Jesus was and is God in his substance and essence, yet distinct in his person. Again, we're talking about the Trinity. God in three persons. One God. The Lord our God is one God, but there's three persons to the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the image of made visible God in flesh of the invisible God. Now, why does this excite me? Because everything and anything you want to know about God, you can have answered by looking at Jesus. Jesus was the total expression of the Father. You hear Christians today saying, oh, I wish I knew what God was like. Look at Jesus. I wonder what God would do in this situation look at Jesus I wonder how God would respond to this person let me say it again look at Jesus Jesus was God revealed and made known to man 100% the express image of God Colossians 1:15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Couldn't be any simpler, is it? You get people today. This is so simple, you need theologians to make it confusing. If you just read the Bible, it's really simple. If you just read the Bible and believe it, let the Bible interpret itself, hold itself in context. It's really simple. God wasn't trying to catch anyone out. He was trying to save us and change our lives. So number one, we believe in the deity of Jesus. That Jesus became a man, yet he remained fully God. That he rose from the dead and he's seated in glory and majesty on the right hand side of the Father today, right now. Yet he sent the third person of the Godhead 
the Holy Spirit to be not just on the earth, but to live in us. Anybody want to know more about that? Good. After the summer, we're going to do another course called Pneumatology, which is the doctrine or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to take time to dig in to where the Holy Spirit is and what he came to do. It's going to be good. Now, we want to look, number one, at the deity of God. Jesus Christ is Lord. When we call him Lord, there's a word that's used for Lord that isn't used for other lords in life. In England, we have noblemen and people are given the title Lord. That's not the same word that the Bible uses for Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all lords, King of all kings. He doesn't carry the same title of lordship as a human being. Amen? We also must understand the humanity of Christ. What do we mean by the humanity of Christ? That Jesus was 100% God, yet also 100% man. He wasn't 5%, 20, 100% God, 100% man. He was both the Son of God, but also the Son of Man. He represented God, but also represented man. To do what he needed to do on the cross, he had to be the Son of God but also the son of man. Romans 1, verses 3 to 4. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, remember that's not his last name, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh or the skin and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now let's unpack that a little bit. Concerning his son Jesus, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, that means he was human. He came through a natural lineage involving Mary, but he was declared the son of God, divine, by his resurrection by the Holy Spirit. Now the son of man refers to his relationship with humanity. It doesn't say a son of man. He was the son of man. He was the last Adam. He came to represent all of the crime, the treason and the sin of man and bring us back into the family of God as our representation or representative. He was the son of man rather than a son of man. He possessed a human body, did Jesus, flesh and bone. He slept, he ate, um, he did other manoeuvres and things that humans do. He was 100% human yet he was also 100% God he was subject to in his humanity everything that we are he had the frailty of humanity the body that was tired um, the body that had trouble keeping up sometimes he was hungry and thirsty at times these things display his humanity he was grieved now that always amazes me I've not yet got to the bottom of it but he comes to the funeral of Lazarus knowing and he's deliberately delayed himself three days so that nobody said Lazarus was going to rise from the dead he dealt with his critics beforehand he turns up with the intention of bringing Lazarus back to life as a forerunner and prophetic picture of what was going to happen to him as well but it says and when he saw the sisters shortest verse in the bible Jesus wept two words Jesus wept 
And I'm like, but Jesus, you knew you were going to rise him from the dead. There was something about not just his godliness, but his humanity, that he was able to grieve at the sorrow or the grieving of the people, which again demonstrates not just the deity of God, but the humanity of God. He wept. He was troubled in his spirit. He had compassion. He suffered and died on a cross. Someone who was 100% deity couldn't suffer and die on a cross for humanity. So we need to understand we're not lessening who he is by saying he was 100% man and God. We're actually understanding him for our benefit. Amen? Everybody good? You still with me? He suffered and was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, he's able to aid those who are tempted. Do you know we have a risen, ascended Jesus in heaven that stands before us and the Father as our intercessor? He's our high priest. This is powerful, but he's a high priest that knows the life we're living. Your high priest, Jesus Christ, that stands before the Father with nail prints in his hand, he knows the life you're living. He dwelt among us, was tempted in every way, but he sinned not. Now, Pastor Gene is going to unpack this more next week. You see, if he would have sinned once, he would have disqualified himself for representing us because he would have been no different to us. He was 100% God, 100% man, dwelt amongst us, was tempted in every way, but sinned never. Isn't that awesome? He is our high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. It says that in Hebrews 4.15. Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 says this. Let this mind, which is was also in Christ, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus, there's three things mentioned in that verse. Number one, Jesus was in the form of God. Jesus became the form of a bondservant and he was in the likeness of man. Let's look at these words again, looking at how the Greek would translate them, but not putting all the words on the screen. The word form means the essential substance or inherent inherent character of a person. Jesus was God. Bondservant is the word doulos, And it means one who is devoted to another, even at the cost of his own interest, or one who gives himself up to another's will. So Jesus was God. He saw in the eyes of the Father a desire for the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve to be brought back into the kingdom. So he humbled himself to serve the heart of the Father by coming from heaven in the likeness of man, to bring man back into the likeness of God. 
How can you not worship him? You see, when we look around on Sunday and there's Christians that have known him for years during worship doing this. It's okay, you've just forgotten who he is. You've just forgotten who he is. He's worthy of our worship. When we feel like it and when we don't, he is worthy for what he's already done. Well, if he does something for me, I'll praise him. He's already done enough for you to praise him every day of your life. You're getting me preaching now. Stop it, you're naughty. He came in the appearance of man, which means in the action, manner of life or discourse. Okay, he was the same uh, he was at the same time fully God and fully man. I want to keep underlining that so that if people ask you, you know what you believe. How did Jesus, the Son of God, become the Son of Man? Again, Pastor Gene is going to unpack that more next week. We call it incarnation. He became man by being born naturally through a woman. Okay? That's how he became man But he didn't have the defilement of man because the father's seed was God. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and she became pregnant with God's only begotten son. So he was born through an earthly woman, yet he had not an earthly father. Joseph was his stepdad. He was born, the only beloved, the only born of God the Father. And we read about that in Luke 1, 26, 45, where the angel comes to Mary. Now, God took on the nature of man while maintaining his divine nature. He didn't leave his divine nature in heaven. Otherwise, you wouldn't have seen the miracles or the character of God revealed on earth. He took on the nature of man maintaining his divine nature he was born the son of God and the son of man his divinity came from being the son of God born of the Holy Spirit his humanity came from being born through Mary you good the divine and human natures of Jesus are inseparable however they're not mixed together He retained in himself the divinity of the nature of God, yet also the nature of man. Jesus had two distinct separate natures. He was fully God and fully man in one person. Do you want to know the professional name for that? The hypostatic union. There you go, your life's been changed, hasn't it? When somebody says to you, are you saying that he was 100% God and man? You'll be able to say, are you referring to the hypostatic union? (laughs) Blow them away in the workplace, that will. In order for Jesus to be our perfect saviour, he had to possess both natures. In his humanity, Jesus represented us to God. In his deity, he represented God to us. He stood in both offices. And today, Jesus stands before the Father with the nail prints of his hands representing us. But also, when we see him walk the earth 2,000 years ago, he represented God to us, showing us what God was like. Now, 
I want to talk about something as we begin to close called the Nicene Creed. I don't want to try and get, make this difficult, but this is important. There was so much controversy about this um, in the early church, um, and it was around the fourth century. Um, people arguing about the deity and humanity of God, but how can he be 100% God, 100% man? The fourth century church met together for a long time, and they came up with a statement that was the belief of the church. It's one of many creeds, and it's called the Nicene Creed. And it's still a statement that we hold to today. And it speaks not so much of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but the relationship of Jesus to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to read this to you because this was the fourth century. People were arguing, is he God or is he man? The answer was, he's both, yet his natures are not mixed, but he's fully God and fully man, fully with God's nature, fully with man's. So let me put it in their wording. We actually sing this at Christmas, but don't stop to think about it. It's actually the the words in a verse of a Christmas carol we sing every year. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, that is, of the substance of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came to be, those things that are in heaven and those things that are on earth, who for us men and for our salvation came down and was made flesh and was made man, suffered, rose the third day, ascended into the heavens and will come to judge the living and the dead. That is a great statement. You could call it theology. I just think it's a good package of truth, of understanding the deity and the humanity, where Christ presently is, and the fact that one day he's going to return. Amen. Now, here's our conclusion. Let me bring in some thoughts. In Jesus dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2.9 says that. In this verse, Paul affirms both the deity and the humanity of Jesus. This is what Paul was preaching. In Jesus dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All right? Now, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in bodily form. God was in man. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he did not have a sin nature. This is a point of confusion some believers have. He had a human nature, born of Mary. He had a divine nature. He was born of God. But he didn't have a sin nature because he wasn't born of Adam. The sin nature that separated man from God, you're going to hear more about this next week, came through Adam. God never put Adam's seed in Mary's womb. God overshadowed and he, 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 she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. All right? So he didn't have a sin nature. When we come to Christ, we have a sin nature we need to be freed from. I was asked a good question this week in Soul Winner, if you were watching online. And it's how do we tell someone that they're a sinner? Simple. We tell them we were all sinners. 
We ain't calling anyone a sinner. We're saying every human was born a sinner because of the nature of Adam. But the good news is if you needed to, to be born to become a sinner, you just need to become born again to become right in the sight of God. That's called new birth. Now, Jesus didn't need to be born again because he didn't have a sin nature. He dwelt among us fully man. Think about that. But he sinned never, not once. So often people speak about Jesus and they're so impressed with his miracles. I'm impressed with how he walked among us for 30 years, was tempted in every way, emotionally, sexually, relationally, every way. But he did not sin once. Why? He was living by the nature of his father, representing the father to us with a heart to bring us through new birth back to the father you good now in his his humanity he learned obedience through the things that he suffered and becoming perfect he became the author of eternal salvation for anyone who believes in him i'm going to stop there because next week gina's going to begin to teach on why he had to become man she's going to teach on why he had to be born as a man and die as a man and I'm not going to tread on that ground because she's going to be absolutely brilliant all right but I do think this naturally leads us in to a question but if you're here today have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior Because if you haven't received Christ as your saviour, didn't ask if you went to church, didn't ask if you were christened when you were a baby, I asked, have you believed in Jesus? Have you said, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin? Thank you, I received the gift of salvation. See, if you haven't, the bad news is, You are a sinner separated by God, not from the things you've done, but simply from being born of the lineage of Adam. Anyone ready for some good news? That can change right now. But when you see that Jesus says to you, come and believe in me, and the moment you believe in Jesus, that he died for your sins, you move from separation with God to becoming a part of God's family. He fills you with his Holy Spirit and he gives you an an assurance of eternity beyond the grave. Why wouldn't you choose Jesus? Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment? And we're going to pray this prayer together like we always do. Jesus, feel free to join in any moment. Jesus, thank you for stepping out of heaven putting on flesh and dying on a cross for me thank you for making full payment for my sin so I could be reunited with God a part of his family I believe in you Jesus and I welcome you into my life as Lord and Saviour fill me with your Holy Spirit 
let my life begin today. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today or if you're watching online and you've never prayed that prayer, maybe you've been away from God and you felt Him pulling you back and that's why you're here today. That's why you're watching today. You've prayed the prayer. I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. I'm going to ask you to, when I count to three, lift your hand. Just that's you saying, I did it. I'm not ashamed. I did it. I want to affirm I did it for me. I did it. I prayed that prayer for me today. As I count to three, if that's you, go ahead, lift your hand. If you're watching online, lift your hand. God sees your hand. He sees you saying, I did it. I did it. I did it. Here we go. One. Two. Three. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see those hands at the back. Praise God. Four hands there. Family there. Whole family. Someone here, number five. Anybody else? Is it like number six? Someone sixth person saying me too. Get your hand up high. Don't just. I don't want to confuse anyone that's not lifting their hand. Anybody else? You say me too. Come on. What have you got to lose? You've got everything to gain. If what I'm telling is the truth, your life could change right now forever. Anybody else? Father, I thank you today for those who have responded to that timeless gospel invitation. For those here and for those watching online, Holy Spirit, fill them afresh today, I pray. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. Give you great peace. Give me one more second. Listen, I want to honour in a few moments the faithful men and women that do set up every Sunday morning. This morning they turned up and not only did they have to do all they do every week. This is volunteers. This is your family doing this. They had to pack away 200 exam tables and now we've got to put 200 out again before we even break down these are not people who are employed these this is our church family when I walked in this morning I could sense it must have been a tough morning because we need that team growing come on if we're going to change Portsmouth we need to make sure that everyone's serving and making God's dream come true But I want us to take a moment. If you're a part of the setup team, um, if you're a part of the setup team and you come, I want you to stand for me. The Bible says to give honour where honour's due. If you're a part of our setup team, not yet, church, hold it back, hold it back. If if you're a stand up, if you're a part of our setup team, but come in here Sunday morning, break this down or stick around and pack it up, would you stand up? Even if you do it once a month, would you stand up? Come on, church, let's show honour. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We don't take for granted what you do. We want to thank you and say, the Lord bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.